Welcome to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us. We want to help you to know God, find freedom, and discover your divine purpose so that you can make a difference with your life. We pray this message encourages you, inspires you, brings you hope, and builds your faith. Today, though, we want to start a series of messages called Adulting. Look at your neighbor and say, Adulting. Uh, Adulting. Just a quick show of hands. Are there any millennials in the house? Come on, millennials. Anybody born 1981 and 96? Um, You know, don't let anybody put your generation down. I know a lot's been said, but I'm cheering you on. Your generation is great. You're not lost or any of that, you know. Um, What about Generation Z? Anybody 97 through 2010-ish in Generation Z? Anybody? Any, anybody like me? Gen Xers? Come on, let's go. It's 1965 to 1980. I was born 1977. And come on. What about baby boomers? Some baby boomers in the house? Let's go. What about the greatest generation? We have, we have any from the greatest? You know, it's interesting about generations is that um, the world wants to divide us by generations. And maybe you're like, I don't identify with any of those generational descriptions. I'm beyond generational descriptions. Anybody else? Okay. There's always a few. And that's great. I just, you know, I think um, sometimes we come into a church, into a place, and we think there's nobody like me. And so I just encourage you today, as you saw all the hands around the room, there, whatever generation you are in and whatever stage of life you are in, Come on, there is somebody in the church right now who is like you in your age range and in your stage of life. So be encouraged. You can find somebody. That's why I love connect groups because it's just a great way to gather with people that are like us and have like interests and get to know somebody beyond just the I saw you at church and I think I know you, um, but to actually have people of faith around our lives. I call it being rightly related to other believers, you know, but uh, this This word adulting, depending on what generation you are from, you kind of have a different view of it. You know, um, you look at it differently, this word adulting. It's kind of a made-up word, but it's real. (laughs) Um, You know, people post it on social media all the time, hashtag adulting. uh, And it's, it's it's just an interesting word where people are describing what they're doing in life and calling it adulting. When we do something hard in life, like a hashtag adulting. When life seems like too much, I cannot adult today, right? Adulting. And, um, you know, our church, just one month from today, uh, we'll be celebrating um, eight years as a church. It's really amazing to think about God's faithfulness. And, um, you know, when you think about all that our world has been through and all that we as individuals has been through. It's amazing what God has done through this church. And we're going to be celebrating that in September. But um, as I was praying about that and just just seeking God about the fall season and the end of this year, and, uh, you know, I always plan the year out. I plan a whole year of sermons and series ahead. But I just, I just felt like God was telling me to revisit the fall. So I've been praying about it and just really seeking God and I really felt like God was bringing us as a church, our church, victory into a season of preparation for the harvest that he wants to bring our way in our city and in our community and in our families. And um, 
You know, preparation is never wasted time. Preparation actually allows the increase to come. Without preparation, increase would be wasted. Without preparation, then we will miss what is there. And so I felt like God was bringing us into a season of preparation to raise up leaders in the house, to raise up people who know how to lead, who can bring people to God, who can stand up and say, no, this is who we are, this is what we do, people who can rise up and help us to accomplish the vision of reaching people with the life-giving message of Jesus and connect them to their purpose. And in case you didn't know that that person was you, surprise, it's you, boo, come on. Welcome to the ministry. Welcome to purpose. Welcome to following Jesus. And, you know, um, I believe it's, that it's through leaders. It's through people who are growing uh, into the fullness of God that other people actually get to experience God and are then introduced to who God really is. You know, I don't believe that people actually would... Uh, really want to reject God, I think people reject the packaging that they've seen from so many Christians and places, right? Because when you really experience the goodness of God, people want that. But they're rejecting the packaging because the packaging that's been put out there is kind of like either hypocritical or offensive or uh, self-inclusive or whatever it is. Uh, and so I believe God wants to raise up people. You know, um, I believe one of the reasons why God brought us here to Timber Creek and, and opened all the doors and brought all the provisions so that we could be sitting here in this moment on August 7th, 2022, that not just so that we could come in and have a nice little church service and go about our week so that we're okay, but God actually brought us to raise up an army of people who will go out out into their workplaces, into the places where they shop, into their homes, into their families, into schools, and everywhere in our community and change a city. But it doesn't just happen because we said some nice things on a Sunday. It doesn't just happen because we have a vision for it. It happens because of people. It doesn't happen because we have a great facility, which we do. It doesn't happen just because there's a microphone or a team, a worship team or whatever. No, people are reached with the life-giving message of Jesus because of people. People like you and me who said, you know what? I'll do it. God, if you can use me, you can, then I'm available. God uses people who are willing to step out of themselves and begin to be stretched, to begin to grow in a moment to see our families and our cities change for the glory of God. And so... I believe God is bringing us into that season. But before we step into that, there's some preparation that God wants to do. And so my prayer through this adulting uh, series is that, man, I just encourage you, like, each week is kind of going to build upon it to the, to the end. And so, man, just would, would you just make that commitment with me? Like, let's be here every week. Let's lean into this and allow ourselves to grow beyond the surface. This is really a, like a heart level series. Can I be honest with you? Like, God wants to get beyond just the surfacey things that we like to showcase, and he wants to delve into the deep things of the heart and do some work in our heart. So that's really what my heart is in this adulting series is to cause us to grow. You know, uh, when people talk about adulting or they post it, what they really mean is, like, they're doing the bare minimum of life to be an adult. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, did the laundry today, hashtag adulting. <laughs> Paid the bills today, hashtag Adulting. Uh, paid more than the minimum payment today. <laughs> Hashtag adulting. Come on. Like the bare minimum to be an adult. Went to the grocery store. 
adulting, you know, like uh, you made, made, it to, made it to church today before worship is over, adulting, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and if that's where you are, come on, that's good, praise the Lord, I am so glad you're here. You know, part of growing is learning to adults, is doing those things where you weren't before. So please don't let the enemy lie to you and bring condemnation to be like, oh, I'm just terrible. I guess I'm not there. No, none of us are there. We're all growing. But the problem is too often we just stay in immaturity. In the name of, well, I'm just not good enough as them or whatever. And it's just, it's bondage from our spiritual enemy, the devil, to stunt your growth spiritually. But God wants to raise you up so that you would experience his fullness. So, you know, I know sometimes we laugh at the things about adulting or, or whatever it is. However you see it, um, I believe that, uh, that God, God is raising us up. I was uh, re- reading uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 uh, recently, reading through the New Testament. Anybody ever read 1 Corinthians 13? Maybe you've heard of it before. It's a pretty popular uh, verse, uh, chapter in the Bible because it, it's all about love. It's called the love chapter. Because it describes the love of God. It describes what it's like, how the love of God uh, acts and how to identify it. And I was reading that chapter uh, recently as I was reading through that book. And there's this verse in there that I came to and I was like, where's this verse been? Now, I've read this chapter, I don't know, a hundred times in my life. But, and, and I've read this verse before, but I had never noticed it this way before. Like it was just like I could not look away from it. And God was speaking to me in that moment, and I will tell you, God will speak to you the same way. Sometimes you'll be reading through the Bible, and there will be a verse, and you'll be like, God, where did you slip this in? You know, like you've read this before, but you've just never really seen the verse in that light. I just encourage you, when you experience that moment, just ask, stop right there and just say, God, what do you want to speak to me through this verse? What do you want me to see through this verse, and God speaks to us through his word. And it was this verse 11 in 1 Corinthians 13, and God was speaking to me, and he specifically told me, he said this, he said, my, he said, my sons and my daughters, many of them are spiritually trying to adult. They're doing the bare minimum of what it means to be a Christian. Adulting. God wants to wake us up today. He wants us to be taking steps in maturity. So what does it mean to spiritually adult? It's, it's interesting that as we were laughing about the hashtag adulting and all those things in our life that we think are helping us to become mature adults, none of those things are actually listed in the Bible as adulting, as being mature. Isn't that interesting? Uh, but the Bible actually talks about this. And so today I want to talk about this. What does it look like to adult in the kingdom of God, in the house of God? So I just titled this message today, Childish versus Childlike. God wants us to be childlike, not childish. And so if we're going to learn to an adult, we've got to learn to know the difference so that we can grow beyond just being childish. Anybody, when you were a kid, ever wish to be an adult? I know I did. When I was a kid, like, my number one desire was I want to be an adult. I want to, right? And when you're a kid, you don't realize what that means, right? And now when I'm an adult, I'm like, man, I wish I was a kid again. <laughs> Anybody else? It's just true sometimes, you know? And, and, and I think sometimes, you know, we, we kind of take the same approach spiritually. You know, when we look at people on Instagram or whatever or all the different places, and we're like, man, look at how spiritual they are. I wish, you know, and... And it's like we want 
the end result of their maturity, how we perceive their maturity without taking all the steps along the way, without making all the sacrifices along the way. And I believe that's what God is bringing us to in the season. If you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. I want to read you this verse that um, God pointed out to me that kind of really brought to life this, the series for us on adulting. It says this, verse 11, uh, uh, Paul is writing to the, the Corinthian church and he says, When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned or I felt like a child. But then he says, when I became a man, or in our case, can we use the word adult there? So I don't want the ladies, I don't want you to feel left out. Because what he's talking about is, he says, when I become uh, a, an adult, really, when I became mature. He says, when I became an adult, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Another translation says, I put away childish things. So everybody say adulting. All right, just got to make sure you're still paying attention. He says, I put some things behind me. So evidently, when I became an adult, I don't just get adult things. I've got to do some things in order to cause the growth to take place in my life. This is the same Paul that is writing this verse. Like if anybody had the, had the right to teach us about how to grow spiritually and be mature, it was probably Paul. Because this Paul was the one who, uh, you know, who had been uh, lectured and threatened and beaten by the religious people who claimed to love God and told him to stop talking about Jesus. This is the same Paul, you know, who had been uh, stoned to death and not the 70s kind, you know, not that kind, like actual stones thrown at him until he was, uh, they thought he was dead. Uh, this is the same Paul who, after preaching about Jesus and being wrongfully accused, was taken and beaten with rods and put in a lower prison underneath the ground and chained up to the wall and then in the middle of the night started praising and worshiping God even though he was treated unfairly. This Paul, come on, if anybody could talk to us about being spiritually mature uh, uh, other than Jesus is probably Paul. Like this dude was spiritually mature. Like he responded to people well, like all these kinds of things. And here he's writing to us, the spiritually mature guy, and he's saying, hey guys, I need to let you know that there's just, like I had to learn to take some of the childish things in me and put them aside. I had to take the childish thoughts that I had, the childish speech that I had, and the childish feelings that I had, and I had to learn to put them behind me so that I could move forward into all Christ has for me, right? There's this process of growing and becoming a kingdom adult. And the indicators of our growth, Paul says, is identified in how we talk and how we think and how we feel. It's the indicators of adulting in the kingdom of God. You know, so many times people are, are working overtime, working hard to look like professional adults on the outside. You know what I mean? We want to have the right clothes. We want to have the right job. We want to post just enough vacation photos, but not too many to be overbearing. You know what I'm talking about? We want to have a relationship at any cost, to be having money come in at all times so we look successful on the outside. A new enough car, but not too new to make people uber jealous. You know what I'm like? We want to have all of the outside adulting things, and those things are fine, but so often our focus is on those things. And Paul here, he's saying the focus is off. 
If we would begin to put the focus of our lives on what, how we talk, how we think, and, and how we feel, then the rest of us is gonna, and everything else is going to begin to be in alignment with God's word for our lives, he says, because we're putting the childish ways behind us and beginning to adult in God's kingdom. There is a difference between childish ways and childlike ways. God wants us to have childlike faith. Childlike obedience, childlike trust and joy and peace, right? There's a big difference between the two. When we're childish, we demand our own way. We're selfish. We're manipulative. We're, we throw a fit when we don't get what we want or what we liked, right, we're, when we're childish. But when we're childlike, it's simple trust. It's, it's simple obedience. When God says something, we are quick to obey. It's allowing our, our decisions, our life, to be modeled by Scripture, not by cultural beliefs. And, you know, that's a big one because so often when, when we're when we're trying to adult, sometimes we want to mix in enough cultural uh, ideology so that we don't appear too offensive to people who don't know God, right? And, and just enough, like we're just trying to do the minimum to still be a Christian but still feel good about being culturally however we want. It's childish, but God is calling us to be childlike, to let our lives be modeled by Scripture, like that, that, that God would know more than we are. When we're childlike, we are teachable. When we're childlike, we, we love to do the right thing as soon as possible, and we love people around us no matter what they do, right? Come on, somebody. The Paul, Paul here is teaching us that in order for us to grow spiritually, we need to put away, put aside the childish things, how we talk, how we feel, and how we think you know, when you begin to dive into the scripture, then it becomes like that aha moment where then we understand why culture is pushing people so hard to act on how they feel. Right? If you feel this way, then that must be who you are. You can identify your own truth or what seems right to you. And sometimes then we get into the church and we spiritualize it. Well, the Lord's just not working on me about that to justify what we want to do. Right? It's this whole push to be on how we feel, but we are not called to live by how we feel. We are called to live according to the Spirit of God, right? Uh, like, uh, we've just got to realize that there's some things that have to change. And this is not to beat us down. Come on. This is a word to raise us up. To raise us up into the fullness of God. Because the truth is, is that the more things that are introduced in our world, I don't know about you, but the more that's out there, the more childish things in me want to rise up. Anybody else? And so, man, I believe God wants us to be aware, to be awakened spiritually so that we're growing, right? So that we're, we're, this is a rallying cry for us, to be adulting spiritually, to be growing. Christ did not set us free from the bondage of sin and death for the bare minimum. Some of us have been in the church for 10 years doing the bare minimum, and Christ has fullness for you. He has so much more for you. Let me show you in Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. St. Paul is writing this verse uh, just to a different church, the church in Ephesus, and he says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So this is what we call the five-fold ministry. It's, a, it's a, a terminology that's used in our world today to describe uh, you know, how ministry takes place. What it really is, is God putting structure and organization into his church. God puts us 
puts spiritual leadership into our lives. Why would he do that? He says, I'm putting that leadership in your life to equip his people for the works of the service. So God wants you to be equipped for what he's called you to do so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Here's our word. And we become mature. We grow up, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of God. So there it is. God wants you to experience, to live in his fullness. He doesn't want you to be broke, busted, and disgusted. He wants you to be have fullness, his fullness. Look what he says next. He says, when you begin to mature, when you put the childish things beside, he said, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Doesn't that sound like so many people today? They can't make up their mind. They don't know way, which way is up or down. They just feel so depressed about this. And then when this happens, they're just over here. And now they just don't know what they're going to do. And the economy this and this person that. And, and, they, and did you see how they looked at me? And I guess they just don't like me. And what are they thinking about me? People are all over the place. What is truth? I don't know. Maybe this religion is. Maybe that one is. Uh, like people are just everywhere and every little thing anybody says, people are so quickly deceived because they're immature. They're spiritually, their growth has been dwarfed because they've refused to put aside childish things. And here he's saying, when you begin to grow, when you begin to mature, you will experience fullness and then you will have stability. Did you, did you get that in the text? He said, when you're an infant, you don't know. You, you, you can't have stability. But when you begin to grow, then you have stability. So if you need stability in your home, in your marriage, then it's time to put some immature things behind, some selfishness, some thoughts, some feelings, and some words. Put them behind you and move forward with the Spirit of God instead and begin to mature so you can experience stability. If you need stability in your mind, then let's set some childish things behind us and begin to grow. Like he says, instead, we're going to speak the truth in love. He says, we will grow. I love that he says it that way. We will grow. It's like Paul's making a declaration like, I don't know about you, but I'm going to do whatever I have to. I will grow. Come on, anybody with me? Like we will grow to become in every respect, here's our word, the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. God doesn't want you to stay a spiritual baby. He wants you to grow. It, and yes, it is a process. It's not like baby one day, poof, adult. No, like there's a process. It's never about perfection. Come on, let's just take the pressure off. None of us will ever be perfect. We'll never get it right all of the time. That's why we experience the mercy and the grace of God. Come on. But we are growing. We're never staying the same. So who's ready to adult in the house? Come on, anybody with me? We're going to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to put some childish things behind us. Now, it should come no surprise to us that uh, when a child does childish things, you know what I'm saying? Anybody have kids? I know many do because Victory Kids has a ton of kids over there today. It's no surprise, you know, when a child throws a tantrum for not getting their way. It's a childish thing they're doing. It's no surprise when a baby uses the bathroom in his diaper. Right? That's what, that's what diapers are for. It's no surprise when kids don't want to share when they're little because this is mine and I want to play with it. No, they have to be taught to share. When a child does childish things, it's no surprise. But I don't know about you. When an adult does childish things, it's a little creepy. It's kind of weird. It's kind of off-putting. And I'm like, no, no, thank you. You know what I'm saying? 
And if you don't know a child, who, uh, an adult who acts childish, it might be you. But that's okay. We love you anyway. Come on. You are in the right place. <laughs> Some of us are thinking of that adult right now who's acting childish. Just pray for them. The reality is, right, we were born as a baby. You weren't born as an adult. Come on, another mom said, yeah, amen, you know. Mamas do not birth out adults. They birth babies, little ones. And what happens to the baby? The baby grows. It becomes not, a, then it becomes an infant. And then, you know, a toddler. And then a little kid. And then, you know, like me, then in a month, your, your baby's turning 17. And you're like, Lord, what happened? You know, and praise the Lord, because if we're not growing... It's not good. Um, but, you know, the interesting thing about a baby is I never met a baby who was born and knew how to do everything. And I never met a baby who taught themselves how to eat. You know, a baby has to learn how to eat. A baby has to learn how to hold its head up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> how, do, how does a baby learn? Through an adult that is there day in, day out, training, teaching. Nope, not that way. This way. Let, let me brace your head for you so you can get the hang of it. I'll be there with you until your neck gets strong enough to be able to do it. Come on, that's what's called discipleship. That's how we grow. We need each other. This is why I will never stop encouraging people to be in a group. That's what groups are all about. You need believers around you to hold your neck up when you don't know how to hold your neck up, to teach you how to read the word, to encourage you, to enjoy life together. And if you're not in a group, come on, you need people around you to help you to grow. We need each other. Don't do life alone. Life is hard enough. Don't do it alone, right? We got to grow. Paul's saying, when I became an adult, what did he say? He said, I didn't just get adult stuff. Sometimes we think, well, I, you know, our world tells us when you turn 18, you're an adult. But I know plenty of 18 and 20-year-olds who are not adults. They, you know, they are not mature. And spoiler alert, I know lots of 55-year-olds who are not a, a mature either. So you don't become an adult simply through the passage of time. You can turn 18 and still be acting like a baby. But, you know, if, <laughs> if you're, you know, it's weird when adults talk like babies, isn't it? That would be weird, wouldn't it? I just had that thought. Imagine, you know, I mean, it's cute when the adult is talking to the baby. Oh, who's a cute baby, you know. Or maybe you talk like to your dog that way. I don't know. But when you talk, when an adult talks like a baby, it's cute for five seconds when they're talking to the kid. But then please don't come up to me and try to talk like a baby to me. Like, that would be super awkward. And yet we have a, a church, so many Christians out there who have been in the church for 18, 20, 25 years, walking around talking like babies. And then we wonder why people are turned off to God. Are you sure God is real? I don't know. You, we've got an adult. We've got to begin to put some childish things behind us. Come on. So how do we do this? How do we adult? According to Paul, it's not just going to happen. He says, I put the childish things behind me. So we are going to have to do the work. We are going to have to do the effort to put the childish things away, to say, this is not going to be part of me. I'm going to leave it behind. I'm going to move forward. He says, into the fullness that God has for me. See, God never asks you to give up something and not give you something better in return. Um, example, we were dead in sin, and God says, come and give me your sin. I will give you life. God never asks us to give up something without giving us something more. It's just that sometimes we overjudge our capacity. 
right? We think that we can do more. We think that we can hold on to more than we can. I brought all these groceries. Some of you have been wondering, what is all this on the stage? Some of us have been holding on to our childish ways, thinking that we can handle it. It's like all these groceries that I've got. Uh, I've got some childish talking, and it's okay. Uh, everybody knows I was just joking anyways. I mean, it's fine. I'm sorry if it hurts you. I, I really didn't mean it that way. It was, it was just supposed to be a joke, uh, and so, so I'm sorry about that. But, but you know my heart. I'm okay. And, you know, it's like, uh, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking on things that are good. But really, when I'm alone, I'm thinking on things that aren't so good. I've got some childish thoughts. Oh, they probably think I'm weird. They probably don't like me or whatever it is. I'm probably not good enough. I'm not qualified to be like that. I could never be the one to serve a lead a connect group or serving kids because I've just got all these thoughts that are just telling me like I'm not good enough. I'll never make it. And then in my feelings, you want to get feelings going on, some childish feelings. And now I just feel overwhelmed and it's just, it's just too much for me. Man, who packed these bags? Danny put a lot in here. And now I'm like, I'm starting to feel a little weighed down here because I've got these childish feelings that are telling me I'm just so tired today. I just, I, I know I committed to be there to serve at church, but I'm just too tired. I'm going to sleep in. I just, I just feel like I can't, I can't adult today and it's just too much. And then we come to God and we're like, okay, God, I'm an adult. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to grow, but I'm going to keep all that I have. I know you have good for me. See, God comes to us, and he's got more for us than what we want. He's got this amazing gift for us, and I've got this beautiful. Isn't this box beautiful? God has so much good for us. It's definitely better than what I've got in this right here. And it's probably easier to get around with than what I've got. But I'm so often we're unwilling to let go of the childish things we've been carrying around because now we're like, well, this is who I am. Because I've felt this way for so long and I've thought this way for so long and I've just, I've talked this way, so this is who I am. And if I don't have this, who am I? And so we've identified more with feelings and then things start falling apart. Come on, illustrated messages are the best. We start identifying with our feelings that were meant to be seasonal as, uh, and we refuse to set them down. Did you know your, your feelings and your thoughts and your speech are seasonal? You don't talk the same way uh, now as, a, as a, an adult as you did when you were five or when you were 10 or when you were 17. I mean, if, if you don't believe me, you just need to hang out at Victor Youth for a little while. The teens, like kids, just talk differently than we do. They say things that I have no idea what they're talking about. And praise the Lord, you know. <laughs> we overjudge our capacity thinking that when God says you've got to lay those things down and leave them behind. No, God, I know better. I, I, can, I can receive your fullness and keep all of this because this is who I am. It is not who you are. The time for five-year-old thoughts and five-year-old speech and five-year-old feelings is over. God is calling us to leave some things behind. And if you want to experience his fullness, you're going to have to set some things beside to be able to receive what he has for you. You got to put, he's, Paul says, I put childish things behind me. The way that I talked, I put them behind. The way that I felt, I set those things behind. The way that I, 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 I spoke, I set those things behind. And now that I am maturing, I can receive the fullness of God. Come on. 
This is the season God is bringing us into. Your feelings are not who you are. Your thoughts are not who you are. You are a spirit. You have a soul, your mind, your feeling, your emotions, and you live in a body. I know, you know, and it's moments like this where the spirit of God will be speaking to you and he'll say, you know, like your faith is being built up right now to believe God to say, I want to adult. God, I want to grow. I want to do things. And at the same time, your spiritual enemy, the devil, will come and he will lie to you with, with things like, with all those thoughts like, yeah, but when you give all that stuff up, you're just going to be lost. You're not going to be able to do it. You don't have what it takes. All that kind of stuff. Does it sound familiar? Come on. It's just not true. It's just not true. You can grow into the fullness of who God is is you can experience that it's just like you know when you were five and you felt hungry and then you thought to yourself you had the thought this is the worst pain I've ever felt in my life anybody had a five-year-old before come on I'm dying I'm so hungry please feed me I guess this is the end I'm gonna go bye mom bye dad I'm just so hungry and you haven't fed me in 30 minutes guess I'm not gonna make it but then mom gave you a snack pack and you didn't feel or think that way anymore. It was a seasonal thought and so many people have just latched on to seasonal thoughts and held on to it as that's if who they are, but God has something new for you. And listen, if you've known God for five minutes, then this is for you. You can grow. If you've known God for 50 years, then this is for you. God has more for you. You can grow. However long, wherever you are in your walk with God, God has some, there's some, there's some childish things in you, but God has more if you're willing to set those things aside. Come on, somebody. It's okay to be immature in an area, but listen, we're moving beyond, like, we're moving to the place where we are hungry to grow. We're, we're passionate about, about growth, about maturing. I'm done with the childish things. God, I might not be there yet, but God, I don't want those things anymore. I want more of you, whatever it takes. And I'm calling us on to adulthood today, spiritual adulthood, pushing us down. That right, There is a calling on your life. There is a purpose on your life. And we will never walk in the fullness. Paul taught us, Ephesians 4, we'll never walk in the fullness of God to be effective in our calling until we mature. We've got to begin to grow. So what are some differences between childish and childlike? I, I wrote down a few just kind of funny, but at the same time, you know, when I'm childish, you know, it's, it's the whole thing, you know, like um, I, 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 I want to mix Christianity and culture together. I'm not really sure. I, my morality can kind of shift based on how I, I feel or what I think is right in a minute. So, you know, it, everything is fine. I can, I can do what I want. It'll be okay. I can justify it. But when I'm childlike, God's word is the standard. God's word defines the morality for my life. And I can, I can refuse compromise and still operate and love people unconditionally without being nasty. Come on, somebody. When I'm childish, you know, uh, it's, it's like, well, I don't need to lift my hands or sing out loud to worship God. You know, like, he knows my heart. I'm not singing for all y'all anyway, so what does it matter? I can, I can worship God how I want and, and the way that I think is best. But when I'm childlike, I have the mentality, I will lift my hands in the sanctuary. I will make a joyful noise to the Lord. I will sing with a loud voice, with loud cymbals, come on somebody, and praise to God and good luck keeping me quiet. Amen. When I'm childish, I'm easily angered. I'm easily offended. I, I'm mad. Do you know what they did to me? 
Do you know what? Do you know what, what it, you really mean when you say, oh, I'm angry because of what they did? You're basically saying they have control over how you act and how you feel. When we're childish, we're going to lose it. We're going to yell and scream to make our point or to get our way, and it's going to be horrible. It's going to be terrible, but I'm going to give full vent to my anger because this is how it is and how I feel. I'm going to act on my emotions in a split of a second. But when I am childlike, I am slow to anger. Did you know that um, anger is emotion God gave you? The Bible says, be angry and sin not. Well, how do I do that? Well, when I am slow to anger. The Bible says, be slow to anger, slow to wrath. God was angry in the, in the Old Testament when he appeared to Moses in the burning bush. He was, uh, Mo, Moses was like, God, I'm not going to do what you told me to do. I, I, I'm not the right guy. And it says that God burned with anger towards Moses. Jesus was angry with those in the temple that were selling things and he overturned tables and all that kind of stuff, you know? Like, like there is godly anger and there is earthly anger, man anger, right? Godly anger is slow anger. It's slow anger because when I'm slow to anger, I can be patient in the moment because I realize when I'm slow to anger, I'm not angry at a person. I'm angry about whatever it is that's going on. I think about Martin Luther King Jr. Slow to anger because of the injustice that was taking place in our nation. So his path slow to anger allowed him then to be a catalyst for change to the thing that he could change. When I'm slow to anger, it's never to lash out. It's never to give full vent to my feelings. Slow to anger always leads me to change the thing that is in my control. And the other person is not the thing that is in your control. Just spoiler alert. When I'm slow to anger, I can walk in forgiveness at all times. When I'm childish, I don't need to share what I have. This is mine. Don't tell me what to do with it. Giving is for the Old Testament. If I want to give, I'll give when I feel like it and what I want to give. When I'm childlike, everything belongs to God anyways. And if I give, God has more than enough to bless me with more than what I need. So I can trust him with everything, right? It's just a difference. When I'm childish, it's that whole thing like, I I'd better pray today because I don't want God to be mad at me. I need to earn his, you know, approval or his favor or whatever. Childish thoughts. But when I'm childlike, like, I get to be in God's presence. In fact, I need to be in God's presence. God, I cannot do today without you. I need a fresh anointing from heaven today. God, I need you to speak to me. I need you to download something in me today so that I can be effective. It's just that there's a huge difference between childish and childlike, right? And we're gonna be childlike. We might be a little childish today, but it's the least we're childish we're ever gonna be. We're gonna grow, take another step, amen? Come on, we are growing. There's a huge difference between the two. So how do we do this? Today I want to give us, I think, two keys to help us to grow beyond childish ways to childlike ways. And then over the next several weeks, we're going to unpack each one of these areas that Paul outlines for us in our thinking and our speaking and our feeling and learn how we can put those childish things behind us and what God has for us. So today, if you're taking notes, hopefully you'll write these down. The first key to setting aside childish things is to always start with humility. Always start with humility. James chapter 4, verse 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So, in other words, we will not be able to grow spiritually without humility. A spirit of humility. A heart of humility. When we choose pride, when we choose arrogance, 
can't, I know it all, spirit, nobody can tell me anything. I, like, I got this. We are literally setting ourselves up in opposition to God. That's what the scripture says. God opposes the proud. He is against. We are literally, when we are operating in pride and a prideful mindset, we are literally working against the spirit of God and what he wants to do. We are in opposition to God. But then what does he says? He gives grace to the humble. Because the humble, like, we're still not going to get it right 100% of the time. But there is grace when we operate in humility. You know, humility is not, not saying, oh, I'm just, I'm just so low. I'm just unworthy. I'm just not, I'm not good enough. I'm just, you better do it and not me because I'm so humble. That's false humility. That's a form of pride. Humility is just recognizing it's not all about me, that God is above me and I can be submitted to where God has planted me. It's humility. Come on. This, this whole thing of pride and humility is what started the original Star Wars. I don't know if you know, but George Lucas plagiarized the Bible a little bit. Um, it's Lucifer, the story of Lucifer. You can read about it. Isaiah chapter 14, Ezekiel chapter 28. Lucifer fell. He, he was uh, one of the, the most beautiful angels. Scripture describes him. Uh, it says he had precious stones all over his body. It says he was the most beautiful angel. Uh, scripture, some of the translations actually describe musical instruments were part of his body, like made into who he was, which is where this whole idea comes from, that Lucifer led worship in heaven to God. But at some point, Lucifer chose pride. He says that as he walked before God on the mountain of God, it says he walked among the fiery stones in the presence of God, it says that he's, his heart began to be lifted up. He began to be prideful and he said, I will ascend to God's place. Give me the worship. I know this, God. I don't need you to tell me anything. I got this. I can take care of this. Worship me to see how good I am. And, you know, he, just like scripture says, he became in opposition to God. And it says that God cast him out from heaven. Uh, he was thrown down from heaven. Down uh, a third of the angels, Revelation tells us, followed Lucifer's rebellion and his pride and were cast out. This is where demons come from. And, and here we have Lucifer as he's cast out. It says he was destroyed. He was distorted. And this is where Satan comes from. Lucifer became Satan, and now he is the king of lies, the king of deception, the king of darkness, because he has become overwhelmed with pride. He is in opposition to who God is. It's the origin of evil. Come on, this is the original Star Wars taking place, baby. Come on. The reality is you and I have the same choice. The know-it-all attitude, prideful attitude, don't tell me, or we can choose humility, teachability, Submission to authority, right? There's just a difference between the two. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 1, uh, there's a story of Jesus' disciples. They come to him and they ask him this question. They say, Jesus, who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You know, and you got to love the disciples, right? They're <laughs> they seem to always be coming back to this point where they're like trying to get Jesus to put them in a hierarchy. Jesus, who's the best? Come on, I know you know. Come tell me, who's your favorite, Jesus? Who's gonna be at the top of the heap, you know? They're always trying to like get this spiritual position over the, each other and you know, it's probably none of us because none of us have ever been jealous or comparative towards other people, right? But they come to him, that was funny, y'all. I don't care what y'all say. They come to him like, Jesus, who's gonna be the greatest in your kingdom? And Jesus just stands there, probably looks at them, maybe a little frustrated, Maybe a little bit like, this is chapter 18, guys. I've been with you this whole time, and you haven't got it yet. 
So he says that next verse, he called a little child over to him and placed the child among them. Now, can you imagine being in the scene? All of the disciples, 12 of them gathered around Jesus. They're all trying to ask him the same question and they're, you know, bragging about themselves. Jesus, didn't you see when I helped that old guy stand up after he fell down? Who's going to be the greatest? Jesus, did you see how much I put in the offering today? Who's going to be the greatest? Did you see how much I served last week, Jesus? Who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus, like, isn't responding and walks away from them, finds a child, a random child. We don't know who the child was or where it came from. He's like, come with me, and just brings them into the middle of the group and just stands in there and looks at them. <laughs> There's so much humor in the Bible, if you read it that way. That's an awkward situation. Can you imagine, like, the disciples, like, yo, yo Jesus, did, did you hear us? <laughs> we just asked you a question, and what's this, what's this little kid? Great, it's a little kid, but he didn't know the answer. Like, tell us the answer, Jesus. And Jesus just stands there, probably smiled at him, maybe chuckled a little bit and said, truly I tell you, unless you, here's our word, change, unless you mature and become like a little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And pastor, I thought we were not supposed to be childish. We're supposed to be childlike. Yeah, Jesus is showing us the difference between childish and childlike. That's what he said. He said, you have to change and become childlike. Like, simple trust, simple obedience to God, right? He says there, he, he reiterates this point. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position, a humble place, like this child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So apparently, we're not going to be able to grow into the fullness. We're not going to be able to uh, live with childlikeness until we begin to adopt a spirit of mentality, a mindset of mentality. Not in a moment a lifestyle, a way that we live, like a, a, a constant attitude of, of humility, preferring somebody else, right? Here's the second key uh, to setting aside childish things. Number one, always start with humility. Number two is to allow God's love to define who you are. Allow God's love to define who you are, not the seasonal feelings, not the, not the words that we've always said, not the way we were raised. You've got to begin to allow God's love to define who you are. The truth is something is defining you. Today, something is defining you, and you have to identify what is it for you. What is the thing that is defining you? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if we rewind to the beginning of the chapter, verse 4, he says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Then a few verse, verses later, verse 11, we get back to where we started today. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I felt like a child. But when I became an adult, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So if we're going to change put the childish things behind us and our words and our thoughts and our feelings. You know, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't come from just chasing new thoughts. Sometimes that's what we think, right? Well, if I just start thinking about something else, then, I, then I'll, I'll put that away and I'll just, I'll just try to find a new thought. 
Anybody been there before? Like, I'm never thinking about this again. I'm not thinking that way. I'm not thinking that way. I'm not thinking that way. Why am I thinking about this again? <laughs> Anybody been there before? Because we're just we're chasing a new thought. I'm, I'm never cussing again. A cold turkey is never going to come out of my mouth again. Beep, 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 beep. Anybody? Okay. Just trying to be real. I'm never doing that again. Does it again. Because we're just chasing a new feeling, chasing, trying, I'm just going to do my best to say something else. And it just never works. We've got to put some things behind us. And listen, maturity is found in love. Maturity, spiritual maturity, Paul's connected the two for us. In order to put the childish things behind us, maturity is found in God's love. Now, God's love that's described here in this chapter is not like, I love tacos. It's not that kind of love. It's not the kind of love between family and friends. It's not the kind of love between a husband and a wife. You know, this is agape love, God's love, unconditional, self-sacrificing, never-ending, never-failing love. This is the kind of love that he's talking about here. And if we're going to grow, then we need to let God's love begin to define us, begin to change who we are. Now, here's the good thing. God does not have love. God is love. He is love. So if we need his love in order to grow, are you connecting the dots? Then we need to be where his love is. Where we, in other words, if we're going to grow and begin to let his love define our lives, then we need to be continually in his presence. Because he is love. Now, yes, God is everywhere. God, he's, he's with you always, right? We know this is true. God can speak in the middle of anything, in the middle of a storm or anything. I've just learned in my life it's a whole lot easier to hear God when I put myself in an environment where his presence is welcomed. That's the great thing about being in church is that his presence is welcomed here. We create an environment for God's presence to be here so you could experience who he is. And, you know, it's just, it's just a whole lot harder to experience the presence of God when you're just surrounded by people who are cussing all the time. It's just a whole lot harder to, to hear God clear, clearly speaking when you're in the club. Right? Yes, he's with you, but it's just, you're just making the equation harder because you've refused to set down the childish things to receive the fullness of God. There's just more that he has for you when we're willing to put those things behind us. So if you want to grow, begin to grow spiritually, then we need to begin to let his love define us. And we experience his love when we're in his presence. So then we need to, that's why we need to continually be in his presence. That's why the breakfast of champions is not Wheaties. It's, it's time alone with God getting up early in the morning. When you get in the presence of, love, uh, of God, His love, His love begins not to, not to hold you back, not to limit you, but then His love becomes the litmus test for your spiritual adulting, for your spiritual growth. Here's what I mean. When we're experiencing His love and we're growing, am I operating in patience? Do I have patience or is my patience constantly tested? You know what I mean? Like, have you, have you ever prayed for more patience and then you have the opportunity to exercise that patience? You know, so many times we're 
in a childish pattern because we're not really patient. We're just trying to have our patience be tested and we're really stressed out. But when I begin to get in God's presence, His love is there, and then I can become patient. I begin to be patient. Love is patient. When I'm continually in His presence, kindness begins to grow in me. Love is kind. There's humility in His presence because when I'm in God's presence, I realize He is everything. And without Him, I am nothing. Right? There's this humility in His presence. God's love, love, it says, refuses to dishonor others. So when we choose to dishonor people, we're just showcasing our immaturity. Love honors. Honor is preferring somebody else. It's a, it's a mindset, a way of thinking to hold someone else in high esteem, not because of what they did for you, not because how good they are or how great their reputation is. Honor is a gift that was meant to be given to one another. And in this house, we choose to give it. Honor is something we choose to give to other people not be, because I see the value in you, regardless of what it looks like in your life right now. Great example, the office of the president. Can we get a little offensive today? Is that all right? I love you, but it's just true. I can honor the president no matter who he is, whether I voted for him or not, whether he's in my political party or not, whether I agree with every little thing he does or not, I choose to give honor to that person, not because of them, but because I am spiritually adulting, because of what God is doing in me is more valuable than what somebody else can do. And when I choose to give honor, come on, like I am beginning to grow spiritually. I choose to honor. Love honors. Love is not self-seeking. So when a person demands their way or is manipulative of a person or situations, it's because they're immature. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. When I'm in God's presence continually, like I, I realize God doesn't keep any record of wrong. Like I can stand firm before God, before the throne of grace because Christ in me removed my sin as far as the east is from the west. He made me new. In fact, scripture says that I have been in Christ, I have been made the righteousness of God. So in other words, God looks at you not through the lens of your past, not through what you've done or what you can do. God looks at you, sees you the way that he sees Christ. He sees you as righteous. The same righteousness that was on Christ is on you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. It just changes the mentality when I'm constantly in his presence. And then I am free to freely forgive no matter what you could do to me. I refuse to be offended, right? Because I have been forgiven of much greater. It just changes everything. When I'm spiritually mature, it causes me to be quick to forgive, to seek out restoration in relationships, to apologize when I miss it. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. We love the truth of God's word. We refuse to tell lies, even the little ones that nobody knows about. We love truth, and when I choose to operate in lies, it's just because I've chosen spiritual immaturity. Love always protects. When I'm maturing, growing, my words, my thoughts, my, my feelings protect others. The things that I do 
are all about to protect others. So I refuse to make jokes at someone else's expense or talk behind their back or gossip. Why? Not because I'm so good, but because I've been in the presence of God and now his love is beginning to define how I think, how I talk, and how I, how I act, right? It's just, it's just changing me. You can't be in God's presence and not be changed, not have maturity begin to grow in you. Love, a trust. Always give trust. When I lead with distrust, it's because I'm just letting you know how immature I am. We trust, we give trust, but our culture tells us differently, right? You're gonna have to earn trust with me. If you wanna have a voice in my life, if you wanna have a place, you better prove how trustworthy you are. And I'm just over here thinking in the church, in the body of Christ, I've got to earn trust to have a voice, to be part of your life. I mean, I'm, a, I'm better off in a court of law, at least there, I'm innocent until proven guilty. No, we choose to start with trust and make people earn distrust. I choose to give trust. I'm not foolish about it. And even if somebody, if you hurt me or burn me, I might take a step back and say, hey, if you want to continue in that course of action, I will withdraw. I love you. If you want to make some adjustments here, then let's move towards reconciliation and grow forward. But I will lead with trust. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Love never fails. Come on, let me hear you say it. Love never fails. This is the way God is leading us, being in his presence. Thank you for listening to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We hope today's message helps you take another step closer to knowing God and finding freedom through his word. 